Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. It's amazing when you actually understand what happens during sleep. And we are the only species who, for some bizarre reason, deliberately deprive ourselves of sleep and not get to bed when we should and not get the sleep that we need, which is just crazy. Welcome back to another episode of The Menopause Coach. I have got a really exciting and super interesting guest with me today. Hello, Lucy. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, you're super, super welcome. It's so amazing having you join us today. So Lucy is a high-performance sleep expert helping entrepreneurs all around the world to optimize well-being and supercharge success. It sounds so powerful and I absolutely love it. Lucy is also a published author and renowned and sought-after speaker a founder of the Sleep Nanny Academy, where you, I believe Lucy, have certified others to become sleep consultants around the world. A total of over 300 people to date that you have qualified and certified in this in around 20 countries. Is that right? Yeah, it's amazing. I think we're about 21 countries now. That's phenomenal. (laughs) I'm celebrating you vastly for this because as we know, sleep is a really important part of our foundations as human beings for survival. Um, And we say survival because without it, we would not actually live. So I'm really interested to jump right into this one and get to know a little bit about, well, first off, what got you into becoming a sleep expert? Um, And where are you taking this at the moment, just so that the listeners can get a good understanding of you and your current business. So ladies and gentlemen, introducing Lucy Shrimpton, the sleep expert. Oh, thank you so much, Adele. Yes. So it's, you know, it's amazing. It's I'm about a decade into the sleep industry and I still find it utterly fascinating to this day it's such a a, I'm obsessed with sleep obsessed with sleep um it came about when my eldest who is has just turned 12 he was about 15 months old and his sleep started to unravel um he'd been okay as a baby but he started to have a bit of difficulty and I thought oh what's going on this is all new to me and from there I became really really interested in it and that's where it sort of took off um having had some challenges as a lot of us do (laughs) with the birth um I'd spent some time in hospital afterwards and the sleep deprivation is real I mean the depths I went to in sleep deprivation the effects that I felt like I was insane like you feel like you're losing your mind and I I immediately was like wow this is why this gets used as a form of torture because Mm. you would do anything to get sleep when you're in that state it's horrible and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody so I kind of felt this compassion about it and an almost immediate need to sort of fix this problem and help my baby to sleep and so on. And so, you know, I became interested and looked around and it was when I had baby number two when he was 21 months and I had the second one and I immediately went, right, I need to get I need to get things really, really good here for the long term for all of us. I was running a business. I had two babies. I was like, this has got to be healthy for all of us. So that was when um, I looked for some help and guidance with it. 
continued my obsession with this and then must have been a couple of years later when I had I took lots of different certifications got myself very tooled up and equipped and knowledgeable because I couldn't bear hearing other particularly mums but other families and parents struggling with something that I knew with the know-how could be better and healthier and so I felt like compelled to to be able to provide that solution so that's what I set about doing back in 2013 into 2014 and then the sleep nanny was my baby Mm -hmm. as my babies were babies and it's kind of grown up with them um, and launched sleep nanny academy as you mentioned and training and certifying others to provide that service and put that goodness into the world I launched that in 2017 and yeah it's just been phenomenal I love the fact that together Um, we can make a bigger impact and make more people aware that they don't need to suffer because sometimes the consequences can be absolutely tragic. Um, It's not, you know, sleep's not a privilege. It's an absolute must. So, um, yeah, that's where the the passion came from and that's where I got to to where I am. You're definitely one of these people that held on to something that you realised, and I mean, I don't know how because... When I was sleep deprived, bringing up my twins, I remember not even thinking. So the fact that you had this ingenious connection to your meaning and purpose when you were so sleep deprived is just like amazing. It's evolved and grown with my children growing up as well. And now they're bigger. It's It has pulled me to this space now helping adults mm-hmm. and helping entrepreneurs and high performers. And I think that it's almost like it's naturally matured. Um, and, and for me as well, just seeing more and more people saying, well, can you help me? Can you help me? And I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, I can. Yes. So uh, it's really exciting to Amazing. be talking to you and sharing this with your audience. So I know that there are going to be some really eager listeners to this right now going, okay, let's just jump straight in, please. Mm-hmm. Give me the good stuff. So what I would yeah. love to do with you, if you're open to doing this, is just let's have a chat a little bit around, well, you've mentioned already around how sleep is, it's an essential, it's a must, it's vital, it's all those strong core words that mean that it is needed for us as human beings to survive, not just to thrive. So can you maybe give us a little understanding then, we all know what sleep is, but why is it so important to human beings that we actually have a good quality and quantity of sleep? There's still a lot of research being done as to why we sleep. It's not many years ago where it would be um, not unusual if, you know, for, for you, you have a baby and they hand it over and they say, do you know what? For a third of this, this human being's life, they're going to fall into a state that seems like unconscious, complete, you know, almost comatose. Sometimes it appears like they're dead and we don't really know why they're going to do it. Here you go. Uh, you know, yeah. that's actually where sleep was um, until very recently. And it, it's amazing when you actually understand what happens during sleep. And we are the only species who, for some bizarre reason, deliberately deprive ourselves of sleep um, and you know, not get to bed when we should and not get the sleep that we need, which is just crazy. Um, so when we sleep, I mean, the effects on our brains and our bodies are massive. The things that go on during sleep are huge. On our, in our brains, for example, like we can, we learn better with sleep. We consolidate memory. So things that we're learning in the day, we process at night. And you know, I even teach children that if you've got a test, you know, the best thing to do is to get that sleep because you're going to process all the things you've learned whilst you're asleep. 
sleep. It's incredible what we do. And we can make more logical decisions when we're better rested. Um, with the the prefrontal cortex, if we are exhausted and it's not functioning, the limbic brain kicks in and that's where we're irrational or like the monkey brain, we're irrational. We, we don't make the best decisions or don't have the best reactions to things. Um, and so during sleep, the, we get to rest and replenish so that we can make better decisions. It also recalibrates um, our emotional brain circuits as well. So those sort of emotional, um, well, feelings and mood. And and within the body, things like our immune systems are strengthened. Um, I I love to describe this. Again, I love descriptions that make so such simplicity out of this. It's like you're, I always say like you've got an army of soldiers inside of you. And if you, when you sleep, they train. And so if you don't sleep, they don't get to train. We need them to be strong and trained up so that we can fight infections and ward off, you know, anything dodgy that comes our way um, health wise. And actually, it's shocking how many serious, serious health um, conditions and illnesses are more likely to happen or worsened by lack of sleep from diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, you know, all these things are increased. And more recent research has actually shown you're far more likely to develop Alzheimer's if you don't get enough sleep, just generally throughout your life. So it's like sleep to protect your brain and to protect your health and to be in your best possible state. Your gut microbiome, your energy levels, your food choices, weight loss, or, or at least healthy weight and everything, it all starts with sleep. So yeah, have I given you enough reasons? Yeah. Or would you like more? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I and I think we do, we, we fully, fully appreciate that sleep is required. And we have this amazing sleep pressure that builds up throughout the day and yet you alluded to this just a moment ago that we are the only species that will fight against that we see it in children a lot so again I know that this is kind of where your world started but when we look at an overtired child their irrational brain their monkey brain is completely switched on and they become very fidgety yeah. they become can well I know even for my 12 year olds one of them when she gets overtired she slips into what I refer to as her gremlin toddler mode and she just is completely you know arms are in the air we're having tantrums we've got verbal diarrhea we've got all this stuff coming out and you just think you're just exhausted you know and I think this is where again as adults I can be a little bit the same you know, I've got no shame in admitting that when I get overtired, I become very fractured, very fractious in the way that I then will fidget, I'll, I'll huff a lot, I'll be like, oh my God, I just feel really agitated and why are you looking at me like that? And that for yeah. me is my trigger point of you need to go to bed. I don't care what time it is, it could yeah. be 7pm at night, but it's a you need to go rest, your brain is tired. So could we maybe touch on a little bit about the signs as adults? And maybe let's look at this as as females, because obviously we are here in the Menopause Coach podcast. And as we know, through menopause stage of life, as soon as we enter into that perimenopausal hormone change, it does have a direct impact on our hormones, yes, but that can play a big, massive direct impact on sleep. So can you maybe chat us through as females, 
sorry males that are listening to this, it is relevant to you, but as females, let's look at it from this lens. How can we recognize that we're maybe ignoring the body's cues of tiredness? We, with the hormone changes, um, where you know, even things like hot flashes in, in menopause that can happen in the nighttime, so they're called night sweats if it's at nighttime, that can wake you and disturb your sleep. Much like with the children when we're woken from sleep by a child or a baby that wakes in the night, when a hot flush can like that can wake you in the night or these things that stir you, if that pulls you from your sleep in a part of sleep cycle where you want to be asleep, it feels awful and then you feel stuck and it's really, it's not always easy to just go back to sleep. If we're disturbed at the end of a sleep cycle, it's a lot easier to then go back into another one or to go, you feel more ready to be awake and then okay to go back into a sleep. If you're pulled out of deep sleep, it's it's a horrible feeling. We feel really groggy and it can make it really, really difficult to then maintain good sleep. So things like that can disturb our mm-hmm. sleep. When you mention about, you know, a sleep, a sleep cycle, what are we talking yeah. about there? So we cycle through sleep um, roughly every 90 minutes. So in adult sleep cycles are about 90 minutes long. Um, and through a cycle, we go through different stages of sleep. So we have our four stages and we have our REM sleep in there as well. It's really important for us to hit all of those stages. Each stage of sleep has um, a, a role to play. And This is um, on that, actually, alcohol, for instance, we might feel like we pass out and have a big sleep after we've had some drinks, but actually we end up in lighter sleep. So we're not getting the deep sleep where all that nourishing stuff happens. Um, So we don't get the same quality of sleep, even though we might have this sort of quantity of crash out. Um, So in sleep cycles, we want to hit all the stages. If we're, say, I don't know, we're, we're going through a cycle and then something wakes us, um, and we're pulled out of that cycle. We haven't got down there into that deep sleep stage either. So then we're awake again. And then it might feel really, really difficult to fall asleep because we're not at the stage one where we're relaxing, winding down and slipping into a cycle. So disturbances to cycles can be detrimental to a good night's sleep. That's what sleep cycles are. And they happen through the night and they happen pretty naturally. Um, if we're lucky, we might not notice it at all, or we might just, you know, shift or turn or move our pillow or something and then go back off into the next one. And we'll do that through the night till morning. And, and then we'll ideally, we'll just naturally find ourselves coming to the surface and waking. But uh, yeah, usually we are having alarm clocks <laughs> that disturb us when we need to start the day at a certain time. But with shifts in things like estrogen, which plays a role in the metabolism and the things that are going on there, that can, that can also then have an effect in the levels of serotonin. So we're talking about hormones here that will support our sleep. And then that can impact those sleep and wake cycles. So that can leave us feeling wakeful when we really need to be asleep. So sleep disturbances actually increase massively in perimenopausal and right through to postmenopausal stages. We see an increase in the number of uh, women raising their hand and saying, yes, sleep's an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Massively. Yeah, I would echo that. I think that it's it's one of the things that I definitely come up a lot with when I'm speaking with mm-hmm. existing clients, not so much because we do get that under control very quickly. But with ladies that I talk to yeah. just around kind of social media it is an underlying issue because we know then that through sleep deprivation, our mood, our energy, our appetite, all of these things, these core critical kind of human functions are then impacted and we can become very emotionally unstable over that time as well. 
a lot of women will then start to think, um, you know, I'm, I'm very anxious a lot or I'm having a lot of depressive thoughts or tendencies right now. So I suppose when you've talked about this, one of the things that came to my mind, just as you were talking around all of this, we appreciate that alcohol being a stimulant, caffeine is another, nicotine is another. These are all um, aspects of some people's lives where all three might actually come in in one go. You know, you go out for a meal, you have a coffee at the end of the meal, you're maybe a smoker, so you have your cigarette after your meal, you're drinking alcohol through the evening if you're out. And this is all choice. This is not, we're not showing any shame or, or pulling any guilt from this. But the impact that that has on the brain, we also know, and this is me coming over into your world now a little bit, but what we do know then is that, for example, caffeine is an adenosine blocker. And adenosine is that chemical, that neurochemical in the brain that will help us to build that really healthy circadian rhythm and sleep pressure. And it's not so much that caffeine stops us from having that circadian balance or the sleep pressure. It's more that it's one of these stimulants that will come in and say, adenosine, you may do your thing right now, but you're not going to let the brain know that you're feeling tired or sleepy right now because I'm here and I'm blocking you from getting through. So we appreciate that a lot of people, especially menopausal women, can turn to caffeine in the afternoon just to get through the remainder of the working day. And where I find that a lot of this is coming into as well is that a lot of women will then say, I'm using sleep pills to support me because I'm just so exhausted. So my question around this would be, because we've touched on it, is about the impacts of stimulants and sleep supports. Do you agree that they are supportive or not? And this is what my, I suppose I want the, the expert's view around does caffeine serve a purpose and do sleep support aids serve a purpose? Mm. It's difficult to answer that in a straightforward yes or no. And I think it is very, very case dependent. I think the important thing is to be educated and to know what's happening to your body, like you said, about these choices that we make so that we can make the best choices for ourselves. So first of all, for instance, on, on the caffeine, there will, there'll be people who say, oh, yeah, but I can have a coffee after an evening meal and still go to bed. No problem. And I sleep fine. In fact, I'm somebody who has been known to have a double espresso and then go to sleep on a plane. <laughs> like, just Same. Like, fine. <laughs> but, the, like, but like you said, it's what it's doing to your brain. So even mm-hmm. if you do sleep and actually, you know, you close your eyes and slip into sleep, your brain is not actually getting the rest that it could be getting or to the level that it could be so I think it's knowing that there are things that are going on that are deeper than what we might just feel and to just be aware of that when we make those choices so you know not just assume that doesn't affect me well it might be and you might not know what it's doing so yeah education ourselves is is really key um Caffeine can can be really helpful. Um, I would say to anyone who is struggling with sleep or that finds that it is an issue for them would be to try to keep it in the first half of the day. I, I would sort of say midday or by 2 p.m. latest um, and not to consume caffeine after two. If you have sleep problems, you're going to want to do the best, right? And then set yourself up for the best sleep. So I would at least eliminate that and go, right, well, I'm not going to have caffeine after two. But if it helps to fire you up in the morning, then not really a problem. Um, just if, if it works for you. Regarding other sleep aids and medications. I mean, that's something where 
I would always advise like, can you support yourself um, behaviorally before seeking medical support? There's always a time and a place for all of these things. Um, and I can't advise this from a medical perspective. Um, my expertise is behavioral. But from what I understand about um, sleep supporting medications, is that they are very uh, overly easily prescribed when they needn't be. And actually, there are a lot of cases where a few shifts to our habits and behaviours around sleep could actually have a better and longer lasting impact in supporting healthy sleep. Whereas some of these medications that might, you know, it's almost like they mask the problem, they might you know, make it better temporarily, but we're, st- we're still suffering. And, and some of the side effects that have been shown, some of the actual bigger problems that it can cause uh, mentally um, to our to, to moods and to our health could actually be just as bad. So I wouldn't just easily move to medicated support for sleep without having at least explored all of the behavioural avenues first. And, and I would want it to be very sort of carefully prescribed, not someone, oh, yeah, just take this and then you'll sleep better because it might not be the, the best way to go. Yeah, no, I, I completely, I wholeheartedly hear you. And again, this is about, you know, keeping any bias. We will always have our own bias inside, but keeping that bias to the side from this, because for some individuals, the sleep aids may be what is required, but we do know that they are very yeah. similar to what you've said around the alcohol. You may think that they are giving you a full night's sleep, but actually when you're awakening, it's the, like Lucy said, the internal to the brain. It's not getting those four layers of sleep requirements through your cycle that it needs, but you are taking those supports and feeling that when you waken up in the morning, oh, I've slept through the night. Um, but I suppose we all know, do we wake in feeling very rested, full of energy? You know, that's what we're looking for rather than the, the pressure at the front of the brain where we know that we're waking up almost feeling like, actually, I could just go back to sleep right now. That's not what we're looking for or aiming for in this. And a sign that something else could be going on in our sleep as well can be if you do, well, like you said, if you do wake feeling still very tired or feeling like, oh God, I've just been in bed for nine hours and I still feel exhausted. Or if you feel excessive daytime sleepiness, um, those can actually be signs of sleep-related breathing disorders, um, or other sleep-related disorders, movement disorders, which could be affecting the quality of your sleep without you knowing. And those do increase as well um, around the, the, the menopausal age. So it's worth just taking that almost self-check of hang on, I do feel like I could fall asleep any time of day or I do wake up thinking, gosh, did I actually even sleep? And and it could absolutely, it could just be a breathing disorder that you don't even know that you have. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Mm. So self-check and how you feel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think this is something, right? It's like a mood check in the morning, like how, how energized do I feel? And being very gentle with yourself that during this stage of whether you're in stage two of perimenopause or you're already through at stage four of, of postmenopause, where hormones are already at a new low level, it's appreciating that your body right now through menopausal stages, ladies, is really sending out that SOS and needing a lot more TLC from you. So potentially the glass of wine directly before bed isn't going to be supportive. 
So it's appreciating are there behavioural and lifestyle changes that you yourself can make to enhance how you are feeling in the long term with a really short term impact, right? Because as soon as we do build a lot more into our lifestyle, and this is something that I do a lot with my ladies is look at not just the bedtime or the evening time hygiene or routine, it's actually about what we do throughout the day and how we incorporate a lot of the foundations so that we know those foundations are strong. One of the things that I find a lot of people talk about, especially within the menopause space for sleep, is the use of supplementing with melatonin. Now, this is one where as a nutritionist and a very much evidence-based food first, supplement secondary if required approach, it's not something that I find personally has a lot of evidence behind it to support that if we supplement with melatonin, that it actually does the same for the body and replaces potentially what we're needing. But I'm interested to hear from a sleep expert's point of view. What is your opinion of melatonin supplementation for supporting sleep? I want to give an unbiased opinion with this because I do think that I know there are people who absolutely swear by by um, these new gummies and things that you can get that I've heard about. And I've heard people find them really, really helpful. Um, I would still like want to have my natural melatonin working for me and try all the things first um, before moving to that. But yes, it could be that there is a lack, that there is a lack of production, that you need a little boost or a bit of help with something like that. And you know, I've, I've worked with and see this with um, adults with ADHD as well. Um, and it can be, you, know, you have added challenges. Um, I think that really my answer on that is there is a place for that kind of thing. As as with everything, I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't just jump to it as my first protocol. Mm-hmm. Just check check things first because you might find that one other simple switch or you might find that, oh, it's just because I don't actually get outside in the morning or mm-hmm. get any daylight or mm-hmm. it could, you know, there could be some really simple natural things that could totally shift how you feel um, and increase your melatonin production, actually make an increase in your melatonin production. If you have done all of these things and you feel like no there's definitely still a blocker here or a lack here and I do need something else to supplement this or to support this um then I know there are people out there for whom that is absolutely great and works really well it's a funny one isn't it because I think what we find is is that the a lot of the the reported evidence that we see within the kind of medical space is that actually there's not a lot of hard evidence that shows that the uptake or the utilization of supplemented melatonin does exactly the same as your natural secretion, if we say, of melatonin. But when we look at it, we appreciate that ways to to kind of support our melatonin production is actually through happiness hormones. It's through serotonin release. It's through connection with things that bring joy and happiness oxytocin so being close to someone you love and having that cuddle or that touch so what can we do to boost and I'm very carefully using that word because um, you know we can never really boost things as such within when we talk about the body's hormones and chemicals but what can we do to support boosting ourselves in our happiness state so that we do release more melatonin well you're absolutely right with the happiness and I think Likewise, um, one of the things that happens, particularly in menopause stages, is women are 
particularly more susceptible to certain stressors that come up at this stage in life. Things like empty nest syndrome um, or caring for aging parents and challenges that perhaps or worries, concerns, um, anxieties that weren't there um, years before. And so these things can have an effect on our, our happiness levels and, and when we're bringing up more worry or anxiety or stresses. So actually taking care of some of those things and, and stress management and simple things like breathing and meditation and time for yourself, like just stopping and um, not trying to just do it all because we do we're like firefighting women aren't we and it just it doesn't it doesn't support our um our happiness at all so uh yeah um things that light you up so whether that's hobbies that you've forgotten to have or a social life that you you have forgotten you know investing in friends um and time with friends connection with friends is it's like food for the soul um and you're you know those you do feel good i mean how many times have you actually made a point of having coffee with a friend and come away thinking oh that felt so good yes. I really enjoyed that you know it really lifts you yeah so the simple such simple simple things making time to have those connections with others and taking care of of you and how you feel on the inside um so you mentioned oxytocin I love that I talk about that a lot with children as well because it's such a nice calming it's like children love a cuddle and to be held so do mm-hmm. we <laughs> and and touch has especially over recent years it's it, you know touching <laughs> became quite um minimal so yeah bringing back the actual physical touch um will increase as you say oxytocin and all those good hormones that then will support our, our melatonin and feel relaxed. So I like some uh, simple practices, particularly when I'm helping adults and entrepreneurs that are busy and have a lot going on in their minds is to have a, like a brain dump journal, um, even a bedside brain dump where you just know or you don't even have to do it, but you know it's there. And if there is something ticking away on your mind, you can just stick it down, write it somewhere park it because then you can relax and it's then it allows you to let go Mm -hmm. and that's going to support your sleep hormones to come through if you're desperately trying to hold on to a a thought or a thing Mm -hmm. it prevents you from relaxing and feeling sleepy the same happens with babies and we talk about this when they're learning to walk or learning to crawl because they're processing this new development this new stage um, even if they're not actually physically doing it in their sleep space, their their brain is like, I've learned this thing, and and they don't, and they want to hold on to that thing. Yeah. And it actually really hinders sleep. We and see these regressions during these like periods yeah. of development. When we think about the way that, mm. as entrepreneurs, so again, I know you you pretty much work with entrepreneurial and um, and business people. And I know for me, you're going to laugh at this, but I have a stack of post it notes that are different colors. And <laughs> and a pen, and certainly for me, it does become very apparent that I have downloads late into the evening, just as yeah. I'm switching off, and something will pop into my head of a oh shit moment, I forgot this, or oh I must remember and do that. And it's normally things that I think right, I don't want to then open up my phone because as soon as I do that, I'm going to come out of my sleepy state. And I'm going to be back inside there probably for the next half an hour at least. So I find that a little top tip for me is not so much a a journal per se, but just having the little stack of post-it notes 
that I know that if it's a super urgent one, I'm picking up the pink post-it and I'm writing a couple of words on there. If it's something that's just a download, it can go onto the amber post-it note. And then I just pick them off in the morning and take them down to the office and pop them on my desk. And it's a, I know the pink one needs dealt with, but the orange one that can just get stuck into my diary or my, my notebook and dealt with when I can. And again, it's, it's just something I'm very right brain. So for those of you listening to it, it might be an idea that this is something for you to consider. It's a really great practice. I love that you do that. And it's, um, it allows your brain to then go, that's fine. That's been captured. I won't forget that now. I can go to sleep. It's okay. Yes. And yeah. you're not there desperately trying to hold on to it or mm-hmm. to overthink it. Mm-hmm. Or, and you're so right not to pick up your phone. It's easy to do. But when not only do you then have the screen light going into your eyes, which actually sends the wrong messages to your brain and, and will actually try to keep you awake. So not only have you got that part of the, the phone, but you've also then got the rabbit holes that your phone is designed to take you down with, oh, I just saw there was a message here or the thing there, or you know, how many times did you open a even your note section or whatever mm. to then see something else, which then makes you think of another thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's a spiral. <laughs> I think the one thing for me is that I'll then, if I open the phone, there's, there's always so many unread messages and emails. I don't tend to open them. But what I will tend to do is say, I'm just going to check when I've got that meeting this week. And I'll have already checked it, but I just want to double check. And then I'll see something and think, oh, I need to send them this for that. Or I'm just going to quickly drop Jave, my assistant, a reminder to get this out to that person. And then before I know it, half an hour has been taken up. So I tend to appreciate that if it's a life or death situation and someone will die because I don't open up the phone and send the thing, then I'll open the phone and send the thing. But when is it ever really life or death, right? So it's the whole thing of the (laughs) phone is set up for me anyway. So let me share some of my hygiene. This might help those listening thinking, well, how do I improve my hygiene? So let's go into sleep hygiene. I will set it up. I mean, I live my life through my mobile devices I've an online business, so I very much am, you know, very blessed that I can work anywhere, anytime, as long as I have some Wi-Fi or three or four G. So I will then have the phone automatically go into dark mode at half past nine. That's my ultimate cutoff. Nine o'clock, I get a reminder which I've set up manually, and it will ping through saying it's nine p.m. It's time to switch off. So that's my half hour reminder really of, okay, everything gets turned off if I'm still working. I'm a manifesting generator human design type. So I find that I get a boost of energy late on into the evening where I'm very creative. It's when I do most of my good work. (laughs) So I don't lose that stint. But 9pm comes, I get reminded, I'm held accountable. I then will do my thing to switch off. Then the phone at half past nine will flash up saying bedtime and it'll go into dark mode. So everything turns from that white screen to a black screen and notifications switch off. So nothing pings through to me after that half past nine cut off. Um, And at that point, I tend to take the phone up to my bedroom and just leave it. If I'm down the stairs or if I'm doing anything, I just leave it. And then always for me, part of my bedtime routine is I'll either have a bath or a shower because there's a lot of evidence to show that when we do a routine of that kind, 
that we actually support the body's temperature and regulating. So by going into a warm shower or a warm bath, the body will naturally then regulate to ample sleep degrees, which again, when we're having hormonal flushing, that can be really supportive for us. So just a a shower or a bath. And then I'm getting my beauty regime done. So it's the creams, you know, for those of you that apply your HRT in the evening, that's part of your bedtime routine. You're brushing your teeth. And then I normally will either read a chapter of a book or I will journal or I will do a breath work. And then that's me. It's nothing crazy. You know, there's not an hour to an hour and a half of routine. It's it's short, sharp bursts of I'm going to make the most of this and be relaxed for then slipping off into sleep. I love that. What would you advise from an entrepreneurial point of view then, from the, the people you support, Lucy, what would you advise as kind of maybe your top three tips for getting the best night's sleep? The first one would be with a lovely routine like you've just described beautifully. So knowing what those steps are. So it's almost like your pathway into sleep. So what does that look like? So you're setting yourself up for it. Um, So making sure that you have that in place in the evening. Um, I would then say to work out like timing for you. So most people would do best um, at either seven and a half hours or nine hours are the most popular. The eight hours is a bit of a myth um, because I spoke earlier about the sleep cycles and actually 90 minute cycles don't fit into eight hours. So you're going to be at seven and a half or nine typically. Uh, so you know, work out what feels best for you. And you might need to experiment a little bit with this, with what time you fall asleep and when you wake up and what feels good. If you're a, a seven and a half, fine. So then you know what your bedtime ought to be. Um, and then it's sticking to your bedtime and your wake up time seven days a week. And that's the bit that lots of people find difficult because they want to maybe have an extra lie-in at the weekend or stay up super late. So if you do have an event or an occasion and that happens, that's okay as a one-off. But as a rule of thumb, if you try to keep that um, seven days a week, it will be more beneficial to your overall circadian rhythm and, and quality of sleep. The stress management that we talked about earlier, so taking care of things that and and yourself, wherever you feel any of that coming up, because it's actually one of the biggest causes for sleep difficulty in adults. So have a look at anything that you feel if you you find yourself getting particularly anxious or or you you feel like you do wake up and have a lot ticking through on your mind because we don't think rationally when we're tired. We're, we're quite irrational in our thinking. So when you wake up in the middle of the night worrying about something um, and, and then in the morning you feel better about it, that's, there's a reason for that. So um, to try to manage that as best we can, look at ways during the day, during your waking day that you can. So whether that's taking time out to do some breathing, um, whatever works for you, for, you know, for some, it may be a meditation, maybe a walk, maybe just be going for a five minute walk outside and that's going to have great benefits as well just getting the natural light into your eyes will also have great benefits to you so the stress management piece is is really important one that we overlook so yes well we've got the routine the wind down the timing and the number of hours sleep and then your wake up and sleep time daily the stress management piece as well and then the last one I would say would be 
just considering nutrition and what you're putting into your system to support your sleep as well. So in the same sense, we talked about some of the things that can hinder. Uh, we also want to consider we don't want to be hungry <laughs> because mm-hmm. otherwise hunger may wake us as well. So yes. just considering like what we're putting into our bodies through the day and at what point in, you know, after our last meal um, so that we're supporting our digestive mm-hmm. health and comfort, um, which will then also set us up to have a restful night's sleep. They are all really quite simple, aren't they? They're not. Yeah, most of the not, best things are, though, science, right? Just, <laughs> yeah, I love your approach to all of this. I think, you know, the, the listeners to hear appreciate that how I approach menopause care and the reason that I do get such success around the world with all these hundreds of ladies is because we keep it very holistic into what the body actually needs. Um, I think we we tend to overlook, which is which is really wild when we think about it, but we, we overlook the things that come free. Yeah, we get to breathe. We don't breathe properly, yeah. but when we get to understand and learn how to breathe properly, yeah. it is so... It is so amazing that if we could actually watch what happens inside the body, not just the brain, when we breathe properly, it is absolutely addictive that you, if we bottled it and sold it, people would buy the supplements. That's the crazy thing in all of this. So it's actually about getting more health and more stability into our the hands of our females, right? Around this world, it's about us being able to really support with the knowledge that you have as a sleep expert, the knowledge that I have as a menopause expert in this space. I say the word expert very lightly within menopause because I, I don't actually agree that anyone can ever be an expert within this space. It's always evolving. The body is beautifully complex. Um, and I'm always forever going to be the student in learning this. But, yeah, you know, we'll same. use that word yeah. for now. It's always more. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So. It's just obviously I could sit and talk to you about this forever, but I fully appreciate your life currency and you have other clients to go and see. So before we leave today, Lucy, I would love to just ask you, what are you working on at the moment and how can people contact you if they've listened to this and think, do you know what? I want to know more from Lucy. So what are you working on at the moment that's exciting you? Something that's really exciting me is I'm actually putting together a 30 day sleep support challenge, really, um, called Rise and Shine. It's your opportunity to rise and shine. Um, and I'm going to be supporting a group of people um, over this 30 days. Uh, to really boost their sleep and and the and set up some habits around sleep that will stick and that's the idea of this and it's fun it's not going to be don't worry it's not boring um it's very fun if you are interested and would like to know more or you think yeah this could just be the kickstarter i need to really get things on track or to learn a bit about mm. your sleep because we actually do have our own sort of sleep personalities as well so if you want to learn a bit about actually what would your sleep look how would that look best for you um then come and join us i'd love to talk to people about that on instagram so the best place to find me is um on lucy underscore shrimpton underscore on instagram and 
happy to talk to anybody over there if they they have any questions. We will pop the link to Lucy's Instagram into the show notes so that you can just click below and access it. Lucy, it has been phenomenal chatting to you. Thank you so much for being here and for gifting us your brain and your life currency today to talk about sleep, the importance of it, why we need it and how we can get more of it. Thanks so much, Adele. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please do make sure that you are subscribed. It is how we get the episodes to you a lot quicker. You become one of our VIPs and we take care of you beautifully when you're inside our VIP subscriber list. You can also, if you have loved speaking to, well, listening to me speak to Lucy and Lucy speak to me about sleep and menopause, you can also leave us a review and I will make sure that Lucy gets a copy of that. It helps entrepreneurs like us to appreciate and understand what do you enjoy listening to? What do you want to know more about? And you can absolutely reach out to either Lucy or myself with any questions that you have. Just click the show notes and we will be there waiting for you. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing to help keep these episodes coming. Please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power because together we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.